Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 306. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living series, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite authors, J.D. Salinger, and our guests today are Daniel Stashauer and Scott Sater. Daniel Stashauer is a well-known author of history and Scott Sater, an actor who will read selections from J.D. Salinger's most celebrated works. This show and interview are a treat for me as J.D. Salinger and Catcher in the Rye are all-time favorites of mine. Ever since my freshman year of high school when the book Catcher in the Rye was suggested to me by my mother who was an English teacher, I've been infatuated with it. I remember reading it and rereading it, I think six times, even over the summer months between freshman and sophomore year of high school. The novel, of course, follows a boy, Holden Caulfield, who has an issue with growing up and the loss of innocence. Needless to say, I could relate, as many of us in the Not Old Better Show audience can relate. I love author J.D. Salinger and his book, Catcher in the Rye, so much because I find beauty in the idea of preserving innocence and appreciating the moments. Not that I hope to be Holden Caulfield. He clearly does not seem to have the perfect life, yet who does? But rather, I wish I had the same ideals and perspective of perceiving innocence in everything and living in the present. We'll talk about that today, innocence, and much more, including whether Holden Caulfield and J.D. Salinger are really one and the same. Here's actor and one of our guests today, Scott Sater, reading one of my favorite lines by Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye. What really knocks me out is a book that, when you're all done reading it, you wish the author that wrote it was a terrific friend of yours, and you could call him up on the phone whenever you wanted and felt like it. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Daniel Stashauer and Scott Sater, who will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates Program, January 7th, 2019, titled J.D. Salinger, The Eloquent Recluse. Daniel Stashauer and Scott Sater, welcome to the Not Old Better Show. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, and happy holidays to you. I've got an upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation on really one of my favorites. Uh, we're going to talk about J.D. Salinger today. And I wonder if you would tell us briefly about the upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates. Well, it's a wonderful opportunity. Uh, J.D. Salinger was born in January of 1919, so we're marking his 100th birthday, the centenary of his birth. And I'll talk a little bit about his life and his work, and Scott will read some of the some of the more fun passages from his books, as as I did. <laughs> we've uh, we've done this as um, you know, as Dan may have mentioned to you before, um, on, for other authors. And uh, Dan is so great at finding so many wonderful biographical um, bits of information that it's just a real pleasure to add to that um, pieces of the author's work, which. Uh, we just recently did one of Arthur Conan Doyle, and uh, we really had a great time with Edgar Allan Poe and Mark Twain and several others, Robert Frost, Lewis Carroll, many, 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 many of the greats. <laughs> <laughs> certainly. And and certainly this one stands out as, as one of the greats, J.D. Salinger. Lots of, uh, I'm sure, Daniel, lots of potential material for you to pick from. The, the interesting thing that I, I caught as I was looking at the Smithsonian Associates uh, background information on, on you both and, and, the, and the, um, the program topic, the title, The Eloquent 
uh, recluse. The recluse part of Salinger's plan didn't didn't really work out that well. Why not? What happened? Well, it certainly wasn't for for lack of trying. I I, I would guess that many of your listeners will know that Salinger basically uh, withdrew from public life in the 1950s. He spent uh, more than 50 years living a very quiet and secluded life in Cornish, New Hampshire. And he guarded his, his privacy very, very carefully. Um, he, he was um, uh, phenomenally committed to this idea of uh, living quietly and simply. And in some ways, that seems to have just increased the degree of the public's fascination with him. He's been called the Greta Garbo of American literature. He's a guy who wanted to be left alone. Yeah, you touch on this too. He certainly lives on, the book certainly lives on, but maybe from your recent research, uh, what is it that we're so fascinated by Salinger with? Well, I think there are so many reasons uh, for that. And just to start uh, at the top, I think uh, people identify so strongly with Holden Caulfield in The Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading as we get ready for this presentation, and I was struck by uh, one commentator who said that when, for a lot of people, when they read that book, it's the literary equivalent of looking in a mirror for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm sure you've heard it as much as uh, as much as we have. People say that Catcher in the Rye changed their lives when they read it. And of course, that's a really powerful thing. Yeah, it certainly did change mine. And I think one of the reasons that I'm so excited about this upcoming presentation, we are, we are of course, with uh, Daniel Stashauer and Scott Sater. Daniel Stashauer and Scott Sater will be presenting J.D. Salinger, The Eloquent Recluse, Monday, January 7th, 2019. We're going to have details in the show notes, links to where you can find out more information about this particular program. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a really engaging one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it personally. But do we make a mistake uh, as readers thinking that that Salinger is Holden and and vice versa? Maybe touch on how they're different because I think that's something that, that that's a myth out there. I think that is a really um, you know I think. In some respects, that's the artist part of this conversation because uh, every artist, I think, in some respects, allows us to, uh, e- even in the art, uh, in the visual arts, uh, the, 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 something about a painting we feel we identify with, or something uh, draws us into a particular piece of artwork, or a, you know, a Broadway show. There's just something about the artists being able to do that, and I, I think he's clearly got that going. How he does that is probably, uh, you know, something of a mystery, but better answered by Mr. Stashauer than myself. I, I think I might say that from the actor's point of view or uh, someone who's in the theater, um, I think as an actor, we have many different people within us and we try to make use of those. And I think an author must as well. They have ways of, of touching and, and tapping into people, people that they have met and seen and um almost recorded in their minds. And uh, as a consequence, I think he's got just such a wonderful way of using that material and putting it in a, to a, uh, a way that we're all able to identify with and appreciate. Yeah, it, it sounds like a voice that we recognize. We feel that Holden Caulfield is someone we've met and it's just such a, the voice is so alive uh, that it's probably natural for, that people assume that it is based on Salinger himself. Mm-hmm. And the rhythm of it as well. I mean, there's something unusual about the way he and and he repeats certain things, which are just make the character so much more uh, 
someone you've heard or something that you uh, you just can identify that way as well. well which makes yeah. you feel that it must be real. Yeah. Which, yeah. And which probably takes us back <laughs> yeah. to why people uh, confuse Salinger with Holden and, and vice versa. And the reclusive part, as of course, another element of this, because uh, that is a, that is a really attractive, because of the mystery of it all. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, you know the, um, the revival of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird is is a similar, uh, yeah, yeah a similar thing. I mean, Harper Lee is somebody who wrote the one book and then and then withdrew. Yeah, um, and there's something about that. I think we all imagine that. If, I certainly do. I imagine if I were capable of writing a book like Catcher in the Rye or To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> I would sure want to swing the bat again. <laughs> but, and I think there's something uh, sort of mysterious and, and fascinating about someone who, who, uh, who does that and then, and then just backs off the stage. And in fact, Salinger wrote, again, although none of the books were as big as, as Catcher, um, Catcher in the Rye, uh, Franny and Zoe, I, I enjoyed that. I read that. Also about life stages. What should we know about some of these other books? Well, I, I love them. I, I think the other books are wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I especially like uh, Salinger's short story collection, Nine Stories. And I'm sure you and a lot of people particularly remember the the story, A Perfect Day for Banana Fish, <laughs> which was published in uh, in The New Yorker in 1948. And, and that turned out to be sort of the opening bell of a whole series of works about Seymour Glass and his family. And to one extent, these stories about the Glass family would be Salinger's subject for the rest of his, his career. And Salinger being Salinger, he never did anything in the, in the conventional way or the, the way we, it might be expected. A Perfect Day for Banana Fish, uh, as you'll remember, introduces us to Seymour at the end of his life. And by a strange inversion or quirk, the last story Salinger ever published was called Hapworth 1924. And it takes the form of a letter written home from camp by Seymour Glass at the age of seven. Hmm. You know, talk about life, uh, life stages. He started at the end and worked his way back to the beginning, you could say. It's really wonderful to think about an author plumbing his own life, but not necessarily it being autobiographical. I, you know, I don't think it's... Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah. I, there, there were certainly elements, and, and people are very tempted to, to go back and comb them out. I mean, one that I particularly like is there's this uh, scene at the beginning of Catcher in the Rye. Holden is, uh, is going on about how he, he was riding the subway in New York and lost the fencing team's uh, equipment, and he's sort of being uh, lambasted for it. <laughs> and you find out that uh, Salinger himself went to a, a prep school much like Pensy Prep, and sure enough, he managed the fencing team. <laughs> so it's, it's very tempting to pick at these threads uh, and yeah. look for pieces of, of Salinger in there. But as you say, uh, he, he certainly plumbed uh, his own life for the for that sort of thing, but it's probably too much to say uh, that it was that any of this is strictly autobiographical. I was uh, I, this is slightly off the topic, but uh, I was watching something about a uh, one of the artists for um, uh, the fantastic animated things that are going on these days, and he always uses a bit of reality. He 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 feels that it's necessary to begin a fantastical creature mm-hmm. 
with reality. So I think that's another instance of, 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 of this writer taking so that pieces little, of himself. Little seed yeah. that gives it makes life. it so much more yeah. real if it's if it's the fencing team as opposed to you know the the whatever. Well, Soccer ball. As always, there's a Salinger quote <laughs> that kind of that kind of sums it up, and it goes. Uh, it's from Seymour uh, in Introduction, one of his later stories, and he says, "I don't suppose a writing man ever gets rid of his old crocus yellow neckties. Sooner or later, I think they show up in his prose, mm. and there isn't a hell of a lot he can do about it." Mm. <laughs> that's great. No yeah, that's, that is. Yeah, that is great. I have a couple of crocus yellow <laughs> neckties, I think, so I'm going to have to pull those out and wear them, too. <laughs> they were referred to as power ties down here in Washington. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I think sure I do I remember that. I back yeah. closet, too. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Sater, Daniel Stashauer, you know, we've spoken before. I always love talking to you. Your perspective, both uh, Scott, uh, you know, from kind of an actor's viewpoint, and then Daniel from an historical and uh, the depth of research. Uh, this is just going to be a, a, a fascinating presentation, The Legacy of J.D. Salinger. Again, the title is J.D. Salinger, The Eloquent Recluse. We're looking forward to this. Guys, Scott Sater, Daniel Stashauer, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure, Paul. Remember, Daniel Stashauer and Scott Sater will be presenting J.D. Salinger, The Eloquent Recluse at Smithsonian Associates Program Monday, January 7th, 2019 at the Ripley Center in Washington, D.C. For ticket information and other details, please check out our website. Thanks to Daniel Stashauer and Scott Sater for joining me today. And thanks to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. The Not Old Better Show. Talk about better. Thanks, everybody, and happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs>